Hello, wealthy teachers. Today we have Barry Lane with us, and this should be a fun conversation. It definitely bridges, um, you know, academic institutions uh, and going outside the walls of them, which is something we like to talk about a lot. And in a different, uh, this business is a little bit different, you know, than the education businesses that Derek and I have built, but it'll be really cool to have this like kind of meta conversation mm -hmm. about there's going to be a lot of stuff probably talking about like student loan debt and about the value of a college education now. And Which really a question that we get often. We get that all the time. So Barry Lane, uh, welcome. And I can't wait to have this fun conversation with you. Well, I can, I, 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 I am really glad to be here. Um, I cannot promise fun. <laughs> we make it fun, Barry. <laughs> I'll get the fun out of you. Okay, good. <laughs> so welcome. So Barry, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your background and then um, your relationship to alternatives to college? I was going to say founding it. And I'm like, actually, I don't even, I don't even know. So I want to, I want to hear about the early days of alternatives to college as well. So give All us right. the little, the little rundown. Okay, I ran away from higher education when I was a teaching fellow in graduate school at Fordham mm -hmm. um, and vowed never to go to a classroom again. Um, and I've spent the last blah, 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 years uh, primarily uh, media marketing, a bunch of entertainment, a lot of digital media stuff. Um, I got into digital media really about an hour after Al Gore invented the internet. Nice. Early um, founder. Uh, early participant there you go. Um, and have worked at very large and very small companies over the years, startups, not startups, shutting them down, whatever. Um, alternatives to college and alternatives to college.com happened by a very aggressive whiplash inducing business pivot. Hmm. We had founded uh, Joe Schmoke and myself, Joe being our par my partner and my senior partner, um, had founded a series of businesses that was designed to connect prospective students to the areas of study that are most appropriate to their personality and assessment tests, and then introduce them to those schools. Hmm. And that's a really interesting idea and not a scalable business. Mm -hmm. We migrated that into um, two pieces of an exchange. We really created Match.com for higher ed. Ah. We created something called What's Best for Me.com. That's what I was reading in the bio. Yeah. Awesome. And something called CollegeLeadExchange.com, which is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and the interesting part is they both ask the same questions. The questions are just structured differently. Uh, to the perspective, traditional higher ed student, it's what do you want to study? Where do you want to study? What mm -hmm. do you expect? What do you need? Et cetera. And the traditional higher ed institutions would essentially fill out a form um, that was identical, only what are you looking for in your students? And then we built, so we built that platform, that two-sided platform, and then built some technology into it in order to do a recommendation engine so that we were um, trying to find the most appropriate connection between individual and institution. Mm. 
where the likelihood of success would be the highest. And about six months ago, and we were going along our merry way, and we still are to some degree, um, about a, a little bit more than six months ago, my partner uh, read a book called A New You, Ryan Craig's book. Ryan being um, a co-founder of um, a very a very well-known venture capital firm that specializes in higher ed. Okay. And Ryan's point of view was, we got to find a different way to do this. And if you're not being accepted by what he would call or what he did call an elite university, which is a school that had a lesser than 30% acceptance rate, maybe it's not for you. Mm. And then, and it had a directory of programs that were college alternatives. And Joe has a relationship with Ryan and one thing led to another and we all agreed, let's do this. <laughs> six months ago. The less than six months ago. Less so we launched, we'll call it six months ago today, we launched with 219 programs hmm. in a single database and people were very excited. We are today at 2,800 wow. program providers and well over 22,000 different programs. Nice. That's a lot of growth. That's mm -hmm. like, what, a thousand times? 10,000 times? <laughs> yeah. We, we, and the funny part was when we started with these 200 programs, I kept saying, all right, 90 days, we're going to get to 2,000. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Little did I know I was, you know, 90% short of where we really were going to be. Mm -hmm. what, what would you say would be the reason for that growth so quickly? Um, we made a concerted effort to find everyone uh -huh. or as many as we could. Uh -huh. And they're traditionally and unfortunately hidden. Um. There are very few 800-pound gorillas in the provider part of the business, right? The real big ones are out of business because the government shut them down. Oh. The, the ITT techs and those Got kinds it. of things, Like right? the for-profit universities? Is that what you're talking well, about? Like partially for-profit, but okay. particularly certification, non-degree programs. Okay, yep. So certifications registration, continuing learning, training, retraining, re-re-retraining, um, career advancement, all of those things that are not really affiliated with a traditional associate's, bachelor's, master's, PhD kind of program. Yep. Or, I mean, I would, I would argue that a JD is a certification, but that's a different conversation for a different <laughs> <laughs> we have some um, listeners of, that are lawyers. And I would argue, by the way, I would argue the same thing about doctors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, so anyway, so within six months, we have now crossed today, we've crossed 100,000 user sessions. Wow. In the six months since we had the idea to launch. That's amazing. Do you think, does anything relate to, so you're, you're going out and you're reaching out to people and clearly like, you know, 
building that network. But do you also think that people are like looking for this and like, yes, this is exactly, do you, yes. like, do you think that the offer, like what you've created is intriguing enough to also attribute to that growth? Oh, I, I think to a very large extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. When we first launched, we put a box on the homepage that said, what programs are we missing? Mm. And that and it was an invitation to both program providers and prospective students. Yep. What do you want to know? What do you want to see? The first one we got was from the Berkeley College of Music. Oh, wow. That music was missing. Yeah. Which really resonated with me because of the correlation between software development and the brain on music. People who are trained in musical areas are typically more successful as coders. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then you add in folks like Mike Rowe, Mm -hmm. the former host of Dirtiest Jobs, Mm -hmm. who has um, created a foundation dedicated to, it's okay to work with your hands. Don't think any less of it. And recently was quoted somewhere or in multiple somewheres of saying that the reason that there is, and you should sit down for this, $1.6 trillion in student debt Mm -hmm. can be traced to the end of shop classes. Hmm. And, you know, he's not entirely wrong. The migration intellectually of school administrators, traditional K to 12 school administrators was we're sending people to college. Mm -hmm. The mindset of parents was we're sending our kid to college. Mm -hmm. The mindset of the kid was, I guess I'm going to college. At no point in the last decade have people said, geez, do I belong there? Two decades, actually. I'm coming up on my 20-year reunion, so (laughs) let's go with that. (laughs) Um, And no matter your opinion of President Barack Obama, politically, emotionally, whatever, um, I think most, not most, many people will agree that he made a really big error in saying out loud, everyone should go to college. College is not for everyone. My daughter went to a major state research university and my son joined the Marine Corps. I know what that consideration is like. I know what that's all about. He joined the Marine Corps in order to select what's called an MOS, which is an area of study. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be Jeremy Renner in the Hurt Locker. Okay. I meant I just stopped sleeping for a few more years. Yeah. Um, but the the truth is college isn't for everyone. And to answer your question directly and why in a roundabout way, the people who are coming to our site are looking for answers to that question. Mm-hmm. What are my college alternatives? Mm-hmm. If I don't want to go to college, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. If I want to change careers midstream, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. I have a degree in comparative literature and I am serving coffee at Starbucks. What's wrong with this picture? 
And all of that is leading towards this national conversation. And what really prompted the development and explosion of alternatives to college.com. Yeah. I personally, I, I like this a lot. I like the idea of it. I've often wondered the same thing, you know, as educated as me, me and Lindsay are, uh, the conversation comes up all the time and with family members and friends sure. thinking about, you know, what, what would they do? What would we tell somebody? What would we tell our kids? What would we tell our friends with kids growing up, going into high school, about to start college um, to do what we're doing currently? It's very interesting. Like what what <laughs> would we tell them to do in college? It's if a lot more college? complicated. Well, yeah. like, so I have six figures in loan debt, Barry. So, so I noticed so my daughter. Yeah. Sorry, and so, so yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm 15 years out of college now, I guess, pretty close to it. Mm -hmm. um, I th it might be a little bit less, but I, yeah, 20 years out of, out of high school. And um, yeah, there weren't other options. And what I remember in it, to me, it has nothing to do with Barack Obama. I think it was like, it's a longer it's related to, yes, there's messaging that he was saying too, but it's, it's really actually related to like the economy and labor practice. Like there's so many layers to it. Decades. But, and decades yeah. of layers. Mm -hmm. and decades. Dec Look, yeah. And so my layer. What, Lindsay, a lot of what we do, a lot of what we do replaces the role of unions in America as they've declined over the last two and a half decades. How so? Unions had a path. You joined as an apprentice. Mm -hmm. It was perfectly okay. 20% mm -hmm. of America's workforce worked in factories and on, yep. on yep. floors. Yep. Yep. And they don't anymore. Yes. Part of yep. the reason is pro productivity per person has quadrupled, according to BLS stats. Um. And so you need a quarter of the people. That's yeah. part of it. But unions used to fill a lot of this void. Unions used to be that entry level to middle class America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the definition of middle class has changed. Correct. Yeah. Um, I don't even like the word middle class because I don't think it has anything to do with class. Yeah. Well, my sociology hat could come on. I mean, so, okay. So there's, there, what, what I think if we could like also bring it back to this idea, cause I I've talked about this because I think a lot of people that, um, and what I like about this conversation is it's not like a coach, a consultant or a course creator. Mm -hmm. It's somebody who's serving this, um, a need. He's solving a problem where people didn't have anywhere to go to say like, what are my options? People, right. That's the question that people come up with. It's like, I'll go to college because, well, I don't really know what else to do. And I think like from my history, it's like, I was told that it's the best kind of debt to take on. And this is from a family, a middle-class family who was trying to make it, but living like a typical, American, which was out of like credit card debt and refinancing mortgages and all the things. And so then they're like, oh, well, if you go to school, it's a good kind of debt. And so well, it's a debt story, which is like a whole other conversation. Let me, let me make one comment about that, that people don't realize. There are only two kinds of debt that cannot be discharged. And it's education. No, I know. And that's the thing is my, I didn't know that then. However, I do believe students are more aware of it based on the, the, so after I exited, but that's, that was before 
I mean, I always, I used to tell this to my students and now I tell this publicly as well. Like we went to a state school in state and I paid, I remember the last check I wrote my senior year in 2004, that spring semester was $888 and it was for five classes. It is three times of that and it tripled in, in less than a decade. And so I was teaching community college students, which is a whole other part of this conversation that we could talk to about subsidizing college education for like, that's where P.S. Barry, that's where Derek and I come from. Uh, that's where we taught. Mm-hmm. And so we saw the role of community college. A lot of students were coming back. I mean, that was the mainstream student. Now it wasn't actually, a, it was close. I, my dissertation was on that, but like, the, the part-time student, the student, you know, paying to go to a community college um, is, was like 46 or 47% of the population of a college student. And we thought mainstream meant going to a four-year university. Not quite. Very, very close. That all being said, it's also the rising cost of education for no difference, right? Like who was delivering it? Like, and what it costs, the value of it didn't go up. So we're Uh, also talking about, we're also talking about government prioritization about how we spend money on education. You're absolutely right. But the other, the other phrase that people um, have suddenly discovered is outcomes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Barry, I got you on that one. We know outcomes very, very well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but that's the point, right? The outcomes of, traditional education are rare word traditional i think is 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 very interesting as we right. think about it. like mm-hmm. what i'm saying Charged. it's not traditional so i refer yeah. to the areas in which alternatives to college focuses as post secondary education mm-hmm. versus higher education mm-hmm. that you, you you in 90 days or 9 months you can be fully trained and ready to start working yep and at the end of four or five, or I made Van Wilder, so nine years of undergraduate <laughs> prepares you to do nothing. You can't start the first day other than fill out paperwork if you remember to bring your passport and your social security card. And so there is a significantly different mindset and it coincides with the decline of so-called traditional learners the 18 to 24 yeah. year olds yep. as opposed to 25 plus and with second career, all of that. Yeah. Second yep. career, you were a coal miner and there's no coal left, mm-hmm. much less a mine. Yeah. Right. Um, you were a member of the UAW, right? There was a strike not long ago by the United auto workers and nobody noticed in the old days, there would have been enough members of the UAW to work that everybody would have noticed. And yeah, it, it, so I think it, there is a respect for work that is being recaptured, that there is a respect for time that is being acknowledged. Part of that, a large part of that, frankly, Um, is generational that I hate to use the phrase, but millennials. Why do you hate to use it? (laughs) Because I'm not one. You know what it means. Because I'm not one, right? We get to claim it. We're like the the oldest millennials. That's what I say. So we like can be it if we want. And (laughs) And I'm like, oh yeah. Youngest boomer. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But that millennials have a place in society 
that embraces a diverse life mm-hmm. that you know the whole argument of do you work to live or do you live to work that a life work balance is much more important yeah yep um the notion of lifelong employment with a single employer which included a pension and insurance and all of and a retirement plan and all of that other stuff it doesn't exist anymore <laughs> so here's what's so funny about this derek is going to go back to teaching mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't even told this to our audience yet we've also been on the freelancing side and it's not fucking easy either right well like, it's a, it's a it's an exchange it's like an exchange. you're talking about exchanging yep. your freedom for um yeah like instability yeah lots of instability but i know what he's talking about the programs you're talking about are different than what we're doing where we started our own business and we've built the foundations of it and he misses teaching Mm -hmm. and the idea of having that stable income and the enjoyment of teaching Mm -hmm. with very clear boundaries of time and hours spent and the pensions is great and the and the retirement is great and like the work hours are awesome it's a pretty and and it's one of the only unionized jobs to bring back unions but it's like that actually looks good to us now having done this for Mm -hmm. a few years so it is it is but you're right though from a perspective of like what do millennials value and this generation is like the idea of freedom and the idea it's not just dollars it's not just i want this many dollars it's like how flexible how balanced mm-hmm. how um you they know, want experiences is usually how they're talking about the in other terms thing. of consumers instead of products things that they can touch they want to have experiences and yeah how they're spending their money is very different than <laughs> right. even like we did and so um it's true and so you're you're what well what alternatives to college is presenting is a way for people to find other ways of doing things. And it's not just because we come from the very entrepreneur space where people are selling people how to become an entrepreneur. So when people are talking about the value of a college degree, they're like, oh, it's worthless. It's all these things. I'm not going to make my student go. Great. I don't, I would never say, suggest doing that. Um, But I don't believe everyone should be an entrepreneur either. You're like adding more to this. Another We're option. talking about labor. We're talking mm-hmm. about like other things that need to happen Trades. in this econ- Here, economy and at, not just that. Yeah, Let's look at return on investment. There's this concept that people have accepted as being real, that a college degree is worth somewhere on the order of a half a million dollars huh. over the lifetime of your career. Yeah. Well, last time I checked, that's about nine grand a year. Yeah. Um, so should I take on, on Wait, average? Where does that 100? number come from? I've never even heard that which, before. Which number? I told you I don't Who's listen to the, myself. Um, no, I don't either. <laughs> half a million. Half a million. Yeah, the, oh, the half, the half a, million, a million number. That is a number that the government and research firms have all come up with, that a college degree is worth half a million dollars more than a non Oh, than not doing college. Right. I see. Right. Yes, because those numbers pan out right. Yeah, right. when it comes to like... So the way I look at it is that's nine grand a year over a long-term career. Yep, yep, yep. Right? Yep. Um, college costs more than nine grand a year. What's the point? Yeah. Um, that's question one. Truly, yeah. it, it is a viable question. The other is the average person who comes out of a certification training 
college alternative has spent and or um, borrowed approximately $30,000. The average person who comes out of a four-year college has spent and or borrowed 4x that mm. as of 2018. So now you have to ask yourself, what's worth it? You come out, you've got a, a certification in HVAC repair or automotive repair or software development, and you earn a certain amount of money. And it will be more than the average person coming out of the average college at the same time, only you'll, you'll have done it three and a half years faster. So what is the inflection point that that college graduate surpasses the college alternative completion person? And that happens, you know, it can happen in five years, it can happen in 15 years, depends on industry. Um, yeah. I mean, there's way too much data in my head at the moment to make it understandable. Um, but that inflection point goes away when you realize that an awful lot of the people who have degrees in HVAC repair go on then and get certification and become contractors. Mm -hmm. And then they become entrepreneurs because they have multiple yeah, HVAC repair folks running yeah. around. Yeah. Start yep. their and then yeah. unless yeah, you've gone to a, a, an Ivy League graduate school, you're not going to catch up to them from an earnings perspective. So looking down your nose at the long-term opportunity is as bad as looking down your nose at the short-term opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, for me, the, the sociologist in me is like, well, of course, like, of course, the way we've shaped the economy, like, and where work is happening and how fast it's changing. I think that's, you know, of course, something that has been around for hundreds of years is going to take like, and as institutionalized as higher education is going to take some time for it to shift, right? It's, it, it moves slowly. And so when we're rapidly, not slowly, glacial, yeah, glacial, yeah, you're right. And so it's understandable that we're at where we're at when, um, things are changing just so rapidly and I don't think anyone expected it. Right. So, or maybe they did. I'm sure there, yeah, I'm sure there's models or <laughs> conversations <laughs> around it, but I guess, I guess where I always get hung up is, and like, I think back to like, you know, our conversation about Obama that everyone should go to college. There's also this, like everyone should have the chance to go to college, which is uh, the opportunity to go to college well, is that's, a, different and that's conversation. a different conversation. And, and exactly. Different and then, and, and the cost of it, like if we keep bringing in how expensive it is, um, I keep coming back to, well, that's our fault. Like we created that. No, I, I Lindsay, once a month, I start a fight on LinkedIn. Uh oh, is it happening now on the podcast? <laughs> it can. It can. Depending on who's listening and responding and caring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here's the fight colleges are businesses, universities are businesses, and students are customers. And until the hierarchy gets that, they're screwed. 
and I will get flaming responses every time I start that conversation. Yeah. And the reason is, the reason that I have fired people in my life as a, as, as a manager, as an executive, as an entrepreneur, you ask a question, why do we do it this way? Answer, because we've always done it that way. Yeah, of course. So flip the question, why don't we do it this way? Because we've never done it that way. Congratulations, you're fired. And higher ed promulgates, there's a higher ed word, higher ed, traditional higher ed promulgates that thought process. Good luck walking onto a college campus and really seeing innovation. Good luck walking onto a major university campus and all those really world famous academic marketing executives have never been asked for help to market the university. So what's wrong with waking up and saying, I don't belong there. I want to go to work or I, I'm not academically inclined or gee, the people who are going to the school aren't all that impressive. Or I'm coming home from the military. What am I going to do next? Or again, I was working in a mine or I was a house husband or a housewife and I need to make a living. And I can't afford four years. I can afford four weeks, maybe four months. It's not just the money, it's the time and the cost of money, the cost of time. And so there are all these factors that, that, that touch human beings. And what we did was we responded to the market need by saying, hmm, college debt, they're drowning. There'll be an entire presidential campaign fought over forgiving $1.6 trillion in debt, which means you'll be benefiting the rich and the working poor. Um, and there are alternatives. There have to be alternatives. When I was growing up in New York, there was an ad. I'll never forget it. There's got to be a better way. And for millions of people, in America, around the world, but we'll focus this conversation on America, there's a better way. And they have to be told that it's okay. That the guidance counselors in their high schools have to say, we're not funneling you into a, into a college. We're gonna find the best bad college for you. No, we're gonna find something you're passionate about and we're gonna help funnel you into a job and a career. And that's where Mike Rowe was right about the end of shop class. And so I look at this, look, I, I hate to tell a, a personal story, but too late now. Um, my daughter called me and said she was going to major in advertising. And I hung up on her. And she called back and complained about us getting cut off. And I said, okay, what were we talking about again? And she said, I'm going to major in advertising. And I hung up again. And she called back a third time and said, okay, I get it. Why? And I said, well, you've identified one of those major areas of study. 
that are not necessary in order to work. You want to go to advertising, study people, you know, study communications. Okay. But make sure your minor is in an ology because at the end of the day, advertising is about getting people to do something. And it's that kind of thought process that really brought us to alternatives to college. Is college being a business the inevitable outcome of college, like in our society? Or I think what I would prefer is to treat college as though it's high school, meaning, and some, yes. and I hear what you're saying about the exchange of time to do that. Correct. But in a society, yeah, the society's benefit of people going to college in community college, two years worth of just baseline. This is the level of thinking required to be a, a positive citizen in this society and yes. improve the quality of yes. our society. It's about point, you're absolutely right. It's about point of view. I get, as I said, I gave a, a, a speech two weeks ago in Chicago for the Council on Adult and Experiential Learning. Mm. And I was one of three or four people in a packed ballroom at the Palmer House who did not have that edu at the end of my email address. And we were discussing alternatives to college and the size of the corpus, um, another higher ed word, um, the size of the database and how many programs and how many program providers existed. And then I told them something that they did not realize which was out of our 22 plus thousand programs and 2,500 plus program providers, more than half exist in some way, shape or form at a community college or a traditional higher ed program. Whether you call it continuing education or you call it a partnership with a company like Coursera and Trilogy or Ed for Careers, um, or you are using an online learning platform, more than half of that 22,000 are available through a more traditional higher ed location, but not a traditional higher ed thought process. What do you mean, mean like application over, getting in or what do you mean by not a traditional higher ed thought process? Well, I mean, think of you want to you want to get a certificate in software development uh, from Columbia University in New York. Well, you can get that and it'll say that it happens to be provided by a third party educational provider that works with 111 schools. And they work with the biggest and the best schools in America. And there are businesses like Ed for Careers that works with dozens and dozens of community colleges around the country. And what they do is they private label their educational offerings and allow the schools to sell them. Yeah. It's like licensing. It's yes. like licensing and it's like kind of like licensing but it, has to come from there. Yeah, and then those companies will also invariably. So, I mean, it all comes back to what uh, what are you trained to do? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? What can you do? And what's the best thing for you as yeah. an individual to do? And what are you willing and to do? And I agree <laughs> that the that looking at higher ed 
as um, an ivy-covered castle mm-hmm. is the wrong way oh, to look totally. at it. Yeah. But yeah. getting them to adopt that, yeah. the notion of tenure, with all due respect to people who want to have tenure, um, the notion of tenure doesn't help. The notion that I believe that students are customers and that teachers are providing a product or a service and the university is the store or the vendor is a valid point of view. And for those colleges, whether it's private or for-profit or not-for-profit, doesn't matter. It's have they embraced the reality of the 21st century? We've And what we've said is the time has come to embrace reality from a financial, practical, and lifelong perspective and give people the ability to participate. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I guess, I guess from, again, sociology hat to like Max Weber talks about like basically people, the, the thing that we can't just undo just even by alternatives to college, but things are always shifting. And I think we were just talking about it this morning of like the onset, the oncoming recession and like, what does that mean for um, the economy and the labor market? And what does it mean for college? What does it mean for the market that the industry that we're currently in all the things I bet alternatives to college getting up before that is a very (laughs) smart move. Mm -hmm. Um, But all that to be said, like changing what the degree means and like how it's wrapped up in prestige and status. That's the thing that's really hard to undo sociologically too. So as much as we sit here and say, okay, you know, mom at home, would, would you be excited for your kid to like start a grooming business or become a plumber? And like people have been sharing this stuff online for a long time. Look at the numbers of like what a plumber makes every year, yep. right? Like, and that's a common, like a very common example. And so, so that's also wrapped up in it, right? It's this, the parenting, like what it means to raise a child, like in this country, like, I mean, at it, right? That's what also is being fought is like mm-hmm. the image that is presented. And that's a lot harder to undo because I would also argue that a college is being run like a business and it, all, it pretty much always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's whether they're doing it right or wrong. I mean, we could, that's a whole other conversation, but they are running it like a business and that's why they're outsourcing the curriculum and that's why they're doing marketing and they are doing those things. Let me hear something. Um, they're not, they're not, is, not doing he, it. That's for sure. Well, actually, they're not doing it well. They're not doing it well. And so if they're, so the I think. The businesses that live on an endowment typically do not last. Yes. Colleges live on endowments. Traditional higher education spends between 15 and $18 billion a year. That's a B, recruiting students. Yep. If they had an innate true value proposition, should they have to spend that much money? What's a comparative industry that spends relatively the same? Because I would imagine that's other Insurance. Industries. Okay. Yeah. Automotive. I mean, I imagine they're not trying to draw customers into the idea of college, like collectively, like got milk campaigns, no. but they're competing against each other. And so the inherent value of college as a whole exists, but maybe this one college compared to the other one needs to be fought for. Yeah. And that's where well, we're know, we operate a sister company called Best Value Colleges. And it's not a ranking service. 
to your point there. Yeah, because that's what right? people know. Because is that's yeah. fake. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. U.S. News and World Report <laughs> picks up numbers that schools make yep. up out of whole cloth yep. about acceptance rates and retention and yep. net cost. It's all, it, it's a game. Yep. And what we did was, and it predated my arrival at this organization, my partner Joe created the, the, the concept, was affordable, quality, accredited, no big red flags about public image, and user, customer, student satisfaction yep. that alumni and current students can't stop talking about the school. And it's really hard to find those that deserve that kind of recognition. Part of it is, again, I'll go back to when was the last time a marketing expert in an academic department was asked to help the marketing of a school? It's uh, an awful lot of that is about brand. We had this conversation here this morning. There are those schools who are still backwards enough to believe they own their own brand. The brand is owned by the customer, whether it's a consumer or a business. The brand is an emotional connection to the heart of the customer. That's not what these schools are spending money on. They're spending money on, we have great facilities. They're spending money on, you know, 14 kids from your graduating class are also coming here. It's a different kind of recruitment that is also helping turn people off to traditional higher ed. And I would argue that the facts bear it out. You're 18 years old and you're asked to declare a major. Yeah. And between the time you're 18 and 25, your brain will change 100%. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 50% of all students who enroll don't finish, but they still have debt. 40% of those 50% who do finish change majors and institutions. What we're talking about are people who know, have, <laughs> frankly, have a more mature sense of rea their reality and where they fit in the world, and we give them a path to get there. I, look, I'm a believer in higher ed. I'm a believer in paying for higher ed for 10 or 12 years. I'm a believer in creative problem solving. I'm, I'm a believer in critical thinking. And that's not what we're talking about with alternatives to college. Yeah. But those things are not for everyone. And parents are going to have to come up with some comfort that says, hmm, my kid's working and I'm not going into hock. I don't have a second mortgage on the house. Gee, that's not a bad play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If my kid wants to go to college later, he or she can. And if they work for a company that has any benefits, that organization will help pay for some, if not all of it. My son, again, in the United States Marine Corps, gets paid to take yeah. college courses. Yep, yep. So, uh, you so, know. Well, so then that's interesting about it because you said I'm a believer in paying for college. So I'm a believer in not paying for college. Like, oh, no, no, no. like I'm a believer in the value of education. Yeah. And I, I get, well, I guess that's like what Derek was saying though, too, with, like as he was going on that thread is because the economy has changed so much. And when high school was mandatory and subsidized by the state, um, in order, because that was the last degree you needed to get the jobs that were there, which is what we talked about, like those labor type jobs that you were there for a lifetime. So now that we are in a knowledge economy, the degree isn't 
that degree wasn't enough. Okay. Now I'm not saying that it's not currently like that means that everything's perfect now, but in a knowledge economy, you had to have a college degree. There was a point when that made sense. So now we're fast past that. And it's not enough to have a college degree potentially, or it's not necessary to have a college degree to join the workforce and make enough money. My point is if we made it free and the people who wanted to go got to go, now we're not having this conversation about being in debt. Like it's actually a conversation of, yes, I would like to learn how to, how advertising plays, like as a major, I'm the professor that was always like, you know, the major doesn't really matter. It's how you market yourself after and the careers you're looking for. Because I had students, it ends in anology, sociology. I had students who were their parents were upset that they were social majors and or wanting to go into social because wait, that doesn't lead to a job. And I was like, are you kidding? Like sociology is all about human beings. <laughs> like you're learning how, you know, entire, how groups work, how individuals function. I mean, all the things it's positive, but we have to, as professors is what I thought as I was leaving, we're not pitching it right to the students about how to use their degree in a job hiring situation. It's not to the point where you're, I agree, like it, a college degree and how fast you get a job. There's no promise there, but like a certification, maybe there's a promise. There still arguably isn't. But the point is like, if it's not enough, why are we charging the amount we're charging? That's the thing that like, and we get to decide how to prioritize how funding happens. Like that's a whole other conversation that is very political. um, But also the one I would, I'm willing to have because it is actually what the problem is. Like, I, I believe, I don't believe it's a problem of whether or not knowledge is important. Like we know it's important. (laughs) It's just in an exchange for 30 K a year. Like Mm -hmm. now it's not even a, that's not even what the problem is. Like, why are we charging people 30 K a year? And then people justifying it, right? They're justifying why they're spending that. And so being able to say my kid went to Harvard or whatever college, that's why they're after those schools. That's why the school's defending it because it's a built-in recruitment. So you're like, so it's like, I don't know. It has nothing to do with whether or not alternatives to college, like I'm all for it. I think Mm -hmm. like having that as an option for people to send them to- I mean, it's right in the name. It's it's alternative. It's literally what we're trying, but- I don't, I, I never want it to be like, and therefore college is not important. And I know that's not what Barry is saying, but it's like the larger conversation that people are having right now, because I do hear that. I do hear people say that. And I was like, the last thing I want is people to not be curious and not know how to critically think. The last thing I want is for people to not know how to do that if they want to. But I also do believe that it's like you're saying too, uh, the, the brain changes so much, right? Like, in yep. the early days and, and, and like making those choices, like that's all really important. It shapes like who we are, how we think all of that stuff. So the fact that college is something that someone has to earn to get into and that it's a key to like um, a life or like a level in like the class system that I'm not okay with. And that's something that we could fight because it's arguably getting worse. Like it, it, what you're saying, Barry, earlier, I think you mentioned, like it is elitist, like to get into certain, to be able to pay for school and not be in debt and all these. And that's something is important to me. And I know that was what uh, President Obama was talking about too. It's like, who gets to go to college and what does their education look like? But what you're, what you're bringing to the table, rounding this out, I guess, like, because, and I love that you have a kid that joined the military and a kid that went into a research institution. I mean, it's common, like, this is what's happening is 
that bifurcation, I don't know if it's a bifurcation totally, but the, the, the people who it's choose a, a different path, there is a divide of, right. of like what, you know, what it looks like. And yeah, like we, it's unsustainable what we've created. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, the system needs to end per se. No, it needs it, to it be reformed. To reformed, it exactly. It needs to be reformed. And I'll give you two examples. One is Aunt Becky. And we'll just leave her there for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about Aunt Becky. Right. No, no, well, new character. Yeah, you know who Aunt Becky is? No. Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, that's a great example. Okay. Yeah, exactly. The other I would give like you Aunt is Becky. a <laughs> failure of K to 12. Mm. Going back to teachers, I am a believer, and I actually have very little doubt that I'm incorrect on this one, usually highly questionable, as you can tell just from the conversation, but from third grade until graduation, every year, there should be a new class that is mandatory for every student in K-12 education. And it's called learning how to learn. We don't teach children and young adults how to learn. Yeah. We don't teach them how to get the most out of what is in front of them, whether they are academically inclined or not, Mm -hmm. how to take notes, how to listen, how to find key elements. And as you ate that, but (laughs) I mean, yes. And we also know why that's happening as well, because it all comes back to because the school is dependent on the government paying. Well, no, but it predates that. That That has never been a consistent curriculum. No, but but also what predates that is like us like like Carol Dweck's research about grip mindset and like all of that, like it also predates what we know about brain, like how yep. brains work, like, and learning. Yep. We've gotten deeper in the research, thanks to academic institutions around how people learn. So then now how long it takes for that to actually trickle down into curriculum. Well, now we're in an economy where it was based on austerity, the 2008 cuts. I mean, we have, there's reasons why it exists. Well, and we could talk about Bush before Obama, which no child left behind. We have actual evidence is why choices were made legally laws that were passed that is impacting the uh, the policies of the teacher and what they're able to teach and how much space they have to teach. I would, I never one, you're coming on wealthy teachers. So you're going to hear from the teacher. I'm never one to say that the teachers aren't doing it right. They're not actually able to do it right. Like no, I agree classes are overcrowded. We have, I mean, yes. we have the whole thing, right? Yes. So I like, agree with that. Yeah. They're I not agree. teaching learning, but why? Like where yes. are the causes and what variables are the inputs of that to create that outcome back to outcomes. Right. I agree. My complaint <laughs> yeah. there was not with teachers. It was actually no. with administrators. And it was yes, with, which where, is also something that teachers would talk about because we could look at the inflation of salaries of educators versus the inflation of salaries of the admin level and how that has completely, blew, like, completely ballooned. Like, anyways, we know, uh, we know how spending happens at a university like because we were in it and we were in the unions there, but like, we could talk about that too as well, which is yep. a whole other conversation. I got it. Middle another management. Day, another conversation, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what else can I tell you about um, my opinions? God help you. <laughs> um, no, I like it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm curious, about it. Yeah. Barry. I'm curious if you, yeah, you know, I know you have two kids, but say you, you knew somebody who had a kid who's, you know, starting 
ninth grade and starting to think about a path through after high school, what would you recommend to the parent to advise their kid to do? Not necessarily to say you should do this, but what's the No, 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 no. That's have? the point. My answer would be exactly that. My answer would be to the parent, the question is, is, is your child a college person? Does your child have passions? Does your child have areas of interest? Mm-hmm. Um, are you aware that there are college alternatives out there? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. For I mean, yeah. proselytizing yeah. consideration is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that age, most people aren't aware of what their passions are and it's tough. And, 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 that, and then you fall to what you mentioned earlier, like doing what always has been done because that's what you do as a backup plan it's an acceptable plan for somebody to take out a student loan and go to school while they figure it out. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that six figures, but it's not because my six figures of debt is three levels of education and degrees, but, but either way, it's not, it's not a common investment. It's not a comp. Yeah. And I, I think what this whole conversation is alluding to is this idea that, I, I mean, what I love about what you're doing is just even having that language. I mean, the, the name itself is mm-hmm. like, there are options. The question is, yeah, how do we prepare counselors? You talked about this. Like, how do we prepare parents to have the conversation? What do parents need to know about, you know, the economic system, all the things, what their choices are? That's the gap for sure that, you know, you guys are attempting to fill and, um, and it's, and, and having it in a search engine, it's like the kayak of like, <laughs> I love that. Like it's the, you know, all the opportunities and, and, and it is fascinating because that was one question I had at the early stage before I got, I, I get excited talking about this stuff clearly, but, um, the one question I was going to ask was about like, where are these programs coming mm-hmm. from? How do you find them? And so the fact that half of them are in institutions, it's, you're using search engine and the internet the way it's supposed to be used, which is I'm going to Google this Mm -hmm. because I don't know what my choices are, but they're still actually being delivered by institutions. So it's not like, yeah, it's curated and um, available and uh, people just never, yeah. Or maybe they've Googled it or they're not really sure how to handle it from. They're not sure how to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we've done is we've created a very simple user system. Uh, tell us what you want to study. We give you a yeah, drop I saw down. That. We were opting in. It's you smart can marketing. Tell us where you want to study. Yeah. In terms of geographical areas, because most of the people are they in are person coming, or are they online? Do you split by that too? In the report, um, we do identify who has online programs. Okay. Yeah. Um. But we allow the, the individual to say to themselves, well, you know, I work and so I'm, in, I'm unavailable from, and I got kids, so I'm really unavailable from 7.30 in the morning until 6.30 at night, so I can really only commute 10 miles. Mm-hmm. So I can filter the results to that 10 miles from my home zip code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that gives people power. Yep. Because we're not only giving them information, we're giving them actionable information. Mm -hmm. And we're empowering them to follow what they want to do. Yeah. Look, we we got a call one day 
um, from a police officer who said, can you recommend a place where I can get my bachelor's degree because I want to take my sergeant's exam, but I can't be a sergeant in our police department without a bachelor's degree. Hmm. And four years later, that person is now looking around for a master's degree because it's required for his or her job. And that's fine. That's an institutional decision. Mm-hmm. And the people who want to participate in that institution are already adults and they want to, they want to advance. But what happens when a police department shuts down? And I know that's not going to happen, but I want to stick with the analogy. Um, the police department shuts down and all those cops and all those administrative workers need to find new jobs. Mm-hmm. Many of them are going to have to find new kinds of jobs. The handyman of choice in my home was a guy who spent 30 years as a New York City street cop. Hmm. He retired. He got some training. He was always handy, but he got some training in um, some of those things he needed to learn, including how to run a business. And he started a business. Mm-hmm. So there are always, always lifelong learning opportunities. There are always second chapters, and there are always what what I can't emphasize enough is there are always second chances. Yeah, you made the wrong choice. You went to college. You made the wrong choice. You didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. You made the wrong choice. You took a job that paid a ton of money, but you were miserable. You, whatever it is, whatever. there's always a second chance. And that's part of the allure of the way we've built our database. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so how does the alternatives to college make its money? Because I'm uh, we clicked around. We were just you probably heard us clicking. <gasps> yeah, that's what we were doing. Clicking on a few classes, just seeing what it and it, it all leads outside of the website to a, another. It has to. It has to go to the provider, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The provider is our financial business partner. We will not charge students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or individuals. So it's almost like they pay, do they pay like a monthly or an annual thing or something like yeah, that? Yeah. There are multiple ways without giving away too much specifics, sure. but um, there are ways to have enhanced listings. Yep. There are ways to rise to the top yep. of a listing that is mm-hmm. not alphabetical. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are ways to be content providers. For example, you believe you're the best HVAC training person in the world in your institution and you've got two or 200 campuses, well, you're going to write a section for us about yeah, HVAC. Yeah, you get like okay. a column in the blog. Yeah. Exactly cool. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. And then there are, you know, in order to get to the school, you have to click on something. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, I don't know, Google. <laughs> which gets paid when people click on things. Mm-hmm. I typically will only click on an ad that's marked ad in Google because I already knew the answer and I was pissed off that they were stupid enough to pay for it. <laughs> I do that too. So I made them pay for it. <laughs> As yeah. somebody who runs ads, thanks, yeah. but no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Um, but that, you know, so cost per click is a business opportunity mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. us and, and mm-hmm. many schools would prefer that. We have the ability to take the back end of the what's best for me in college lead exchange platforms 
and adapt them for alternatives to college Mm -hmm. and create a larger lead gen business. Um, We have a lot of monetization options. Sorry to use that really ugly phrase. Oh, no, we (laughs) use that all the time. Um, But what it, it, it is incredibly flexible because this is perhaps one of the two or three most intent-based economies on the planet. People are putting up their hands and saying, I want to do something, whatever that something is. And we want to say, here, here's the path. Mm -hmm. How do you see alternatives to college faring through what might be coming in terms of economic maybe downturn? Do you think it's going to be I actually think it it, it inures to our benefit. Yeah, I think it is. I think so too. Every business that closes down is an opportunity for us to help someone find their next thing. That was always the hard part for us. Like, so we were trying to find jobs at the community college, you know, when 2008 happened and that crash. And it was hard. I mean, they were stripping, obviously, funding, so they weren't hiring full-timers. But at the same time, the sad reality was they were shutting down the... There weren't enough seats. So they had to do both, right? And like, there weren't enough seats for the students that were banging down the doors. And so that was the boom of a lot of the for-profit colleges that were giving, you know, certifications that cost a lot of money that didn't get them the job they promised. It was a problem. It was a big problem. And Lindsay, don't forget where you and Derek come from the name defines it, community college. Yep. Mm-hmm. The community college has to be responsive to the community's needs. A thousand percent, yep. And that includes employers. Yep. There has to be there a is, closer like, relationship you know, yeah, between and as industry we were, and education. Yep. And as we were exiting, I mean, that is the conversation about, I mean, my dissertation was like on whatever community college education, one part of it, my lit review. But like from that, what I remember four or five years ago, um, was, you know, this conversation about like it, its whole point was like a vocational place. And, um, and then it became, you didn't quite make it to four year. And then it's now, oh, four years really expensive financially. Now we're here for you. And, you know, the state of California is subsidizing. It's still one of the uh, most subsidized uh, community college districts statewide in the, in the system. That's the right word Mm -hmm. system in the, in the country. And, um, you know, other, other schools raise the price. And so the idea of there being a place for someone to go to school that isn't that expensive is really important to me. Didn't they just pass two years free? Yeah. I mean, so, so in relation to the alternatives to college conversation, it's, it's, you know, that's its, its role was Mm -hmm. to serve the community. And when, as the economy changed and as labor needs change and as, you know, the market changes, um, you know, how quick it can adapt. I mean, there's some unlearning and some, in, you know, interesting conversations having just left there, um, Derek returning, but, you know, it's hopefully next year. Um, he, you know, the, the conversation of what its role at the community college level is, is there. And that's why so many, I believe, so many of your offerings are community colleges, because that is the original intent was a vocational, you know, kind of system. And then, and then, you know, what other things we talked about that happened and it, and it's got, it's had to change. It adapted with how higher education was perceived over the last, you know, few decades. That's what, and it was responding to that. So now it's going to respond and it's probably going to find its rightful place potentially to be able to. It'll find its rightful place for today. For today. Yeah. And then it'll lose its way again. And 
it's a constant set of rein, uh, reinvention, which is fine. Which, yeah, um, is it, business is everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is why, again, I don't talk about higher ed in our world. I talk, and community colleges are a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Talk about post secondary education. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are you going to do after 12th grade? Forget yeah. all the fancy words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've done, you're done with 12th grade, whether you're uh, uh, six months out of 12th grade or 16 years out of 12th mm-hmm. grade. That's where you went. Yeah. What are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. Yep. You need an alternative. You need a choice. And that is the point of College Alternatives and Alternatives to College.com. Yep. Mm-hmm.